Welcome to day 94 of Shaped by the Word, where Matt Kresge just said he would travel anywhere with Paul except for on a boat. <laughs> and I told him he might want to reconsider the rest of it as well. All of these journeys are treacherous. Uh, we've seen, you know, the Apostle Paul. I'm Paul Kemp, by the way, here with uh, Katie Kresge and Matt Kresge uh, as we continue uh, our journey through the book of Acts and being shaped by the Word through God's Spirit as we read it. And what a fantastic story, not only that uh, we have the privilege of reading, but we are invited into uh, the progress of the gospel. And uh, the progress of the gospel sometimes through great difficulty, sometimes through great suffering, sometimes with a parent setbacks, but always guided by the hand of God and the providence of God in the people of God. And so it has been fun to watch this. Also, we've seen Paul, you know, in several, you know, trials. Now he has an impromptu trial on the steps, you know, of the Roman praetorium as the people have crowded him. He begins to tell his story. Then he goes to the Sanhedrin and is able to share his story there. Then he's whisked away in the dark of the night uh, to Caesarea several miles away before, you know, he tells his, his story before Felix. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've seen him on trial. Uh, you know, before Festus and now Festus in Agrippa. And, and Paul has made an appeal rather than going back to Jerusalem to go to Rome. And of course, both Festus and Agrippa say if he had not made that appeal, we could have <laughs> let him go. Chances are good they would not have let him go. Uh, and the appeal was probably the strongest move that Paul could make. So we begin today one of the most epic sea journeys in all of ancient literature uh, <laughs> written in the hands of Luke. Uh, as Paul makes his way from, uh, and it's not, hadn't been smooth sailing so far, pardon the pun, um, but uh, it's certainly not going to be smooth sailing in this portion of the journey. So we begin in Acts 27, uh, beginning in verse 1. But as always, we, we pause knowing that we are not just involved in a good story, and we're not just you know, involved in a few, you know, religious principles that we can apply to our life. We we're involved in a deeply personal relationship, you know, with with the the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has breathed out every word of Scripture so that we might know Him and walk with Him and be transformed into His image. So we always pause and recognize the moment we are in, and, and offer our minds and our hearts, you know, to Him. So Matt, do you mind? leading us in prayer. Father, we um, do thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that you use it to transform us, to draw us into a deeper fellowship with you. And and we pray that that would be um, so as we read um, Acts 27 um, today, that, Father, you would draw us in deeper into your heart, um, that you would remind us of your sovereignty over all things, that you would remind us of your care over us, uh, just as you you cared over the Apostle Paul and those with him and around him. And so, Father, um, remind us uh, of your beauty as we read. Help us to see you um, in all of your glory and transform us into the image of Christ. Uh, thank you for um, your spirit who's at work in us, even now as, as we read and, and we hear your word together. Um, God, form us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 27. <clears throat> Excuse me. What a wonderful uh, piece of writing by Luke. Uh, You can feel yourself being drawn into the uh, the story. When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. We boarded a ship from Edramidium about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia, and we put out to sea. 
Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. The next day we landed at Sidon, and Julius, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friends so that they might provide for his needs. From there we put out to sea again and passed the Lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. When we had sailed across the open sea off the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra and Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. We made slow headway for many days and had difficulty riding, arriving off Snidus. When the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the Lee of Crete, opposite of Salmon. We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens, near the town of Lycia. Much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous, because it was now after the Day of Atonement. So Paul warned them, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to the ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But Centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot, the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. There was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called a northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed off the lee of a small island called Cotta, we were hardly able to make uh, the lifeboat secure, so the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together because they were afraid they would want to run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves in this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, man, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run around, run aground on some island. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea, when about midnight the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was only 90 feet deep. Fearing that we'd be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. And then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the rope that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, You've been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. When daylight came... 
They did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudder. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow struck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken in pieces by the pounding of the surf. Soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. The centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or other pieces of the ship. And this way, everyone reached land safely. Fourteen days in a storm in the middle of the sea. And any of you who have ever gone out in the bay on the coast and spent all night you know, fishing on one of those boats, just kind of going up and down in those gentle waves, can kind of feel you know the impact of what this must have been like in raging waves uh, for a matter of two weeks, losing all sight of navigation because mm-hmm. they would navigate you know not by compasses but by stars and sun and weren't able to see that. Mm-hmm. They have no idea where they are. Uh, they think they're going to. Uh, run aground in Sirtis, which was legendary for, you know, as a ship graveyard where many ships were driven there. They're, they're actually, you know, uh, from what we can retrace their journey, never got close to that, but they had no <laughs> idea where they were. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of a traumatic, uh, you know, traumatic few few nights on sea. Yeah. yeah. And it's crazy to me that after reading all that, what I get from it is the graciousness of God, which is, it's kind of ironic to say that, but you look at it and you see how gracious he was like with the centurion even. I mean, he, he gave Paul favor with the centurion and you see that a couple of times and just um, by even having them eat together before this crazy shipwreck happened and fueling them like fueling their bodies i don't know i just think that i see god's gracious hand it's, yeah, it's providential care yeah. mm-hmm. you know for paul and for those you know you know surrounding him and, and so you kind of have an opposite story of an old testament uh you know uh lost at sea storm at sea we have in in, in jonah uh, jonah was actually the cause of the storm mm-hmm. and see here paul is the cause of their safety and, yeah. and of, of of their rescue so you kind of have you know this is our i guess our second shipwreck and the entire <laughs> paul's had another yeah. shipwreck by the way that's so that's why you know, matt paul. was saying i don't i'll travel anywhere with paul except on yeah. a boat uh he mentions other shipwrecks so paul must have had a Pretty exciting, you know, pretty exciting life. But you're, you're right. Uh, and uh, not only you know, does Paul encourage them in this moment, you know, for the strength, mm-hmm. you know, to eat, but uh, you have this image of breaking bread in front of them. Pro- probably not, you know, a celebration of the Lord's table, but mm-hmm. the common Jewish practice of recognizing who God was and his provision. And, and so he not only gives them food, uh, but he, he offers this sense of faith in God. And I'm sure they're bolstered by both, even though yeah. they, they have no idea who his God is. The fact that there is someone who is entrusting, uh, you know, their God to see them through must have been encouragement as well as the food, you know, that they have, they have to eat. Yeah, yeah. I, I love in this story too. It, it's so easy to just see the kind of the big movements, you know, where you know the storm is coming, you know the shipwreck's coming, and yet God has promised to keep everyone safe. Mm-hmm. But, but I love in verse 3, the next day we landed at Sidon, and Julius, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go see his friends so they might provide his needs. You know, yeah, Julius, in kindness to Paul, 
But who do you think moved Julius's heart to allow Paul to, to receive some refreshment? You know, he's been in prison. He's been, he's, he's, he's had a tough go and he's about to have a tough go through a ship. And yet, you know, this kind of small grace where God gives Paul, you know, an opportunity yeah. to be refreshed by his friends. And I just wonder how many of those small moments I'm, of grace do I get every day and just, and just miss. Yeah. You know, Katie you know, initially pointed it out that you see, you know, God's grace, you know, through this. Probably if we had been in the middle of it, we would see, you know, reading it from a distance, we see God's hand at work and his gracious provision. If you're in the middle of a 14-day storm, mm-hmm. uh, your, your, your you know, opportunity for panic and feeling otherwise is, is often there. And we have to realize when we look in on an event like this and we see God's grace, that it's just as you said, Matt, that uh, there are a lot of small graces we're experiencing and the hand of God is with us in ways yeah. You know, the, the one day we will get to see when we see him face to face and we will be amazed, you know, his level of care for us as well, which yeah. is, you know, the heart of, you know, the heart of the gospel. You also have to like, I like, you know, um, being of the reformed faith, you know, that, you know, that I am, I, I like, you know, the sense of God's sovereignty and human responsibility mm-hmm. coming together in this passage. Mm-hmm. God has sovereignly promised that they're going to get there safe, but Paul says to the Roman centurion, we're not going to get there safe if these men have their way. And, and so you see, you know, God's means is always human. Mm-hmm. You know, the means of grace is always working through men to accomplish his purposes. So you see, you know, God ordaining their safe journey, but you also see the need for humans to respond positively to the grace of God, mm-hmm. you know, given. So it's just kind of a fun little, uh, you know, sovereignty of God, yeah. uh, human responsibility, you know, moment in there. And, and Paul has a nice little I told you so moment. Yeah. There, I told you we shouldn't have gone, and you would have had a lot of gray, and the ship would have been saved, and you all would have been saved. Uh, but nevertheless, and I love how he describes himself the God, you know, an angel of the God to whom I belong mm. and to whom I serve. What a great, you That's know, good. definition of who we are in Christ. Mm. Uh, we are no longer ours, uh, we are his, and, and our. Our, our lives are no longer ours, but our lives are given in service to Him. And so coming into a relationship with Christ is not just a casual transaction, you know, where we make a, you know, a, a commitment to Him. It's where we make a deep commitment, realizing that He has bought us, that He has redeemed us. And the highest purpose we can have is to serve His purposes in our lives. So I love uh, that description and how we're yeah. invited into the gospel. That's good. Yeah, and in that invitation of the gospel, we get to enjoy His grace. You know, we get to enjoy. We kind of said earlier, you know, these small graces, but grace is never small. You know, it's just how we view it, and, and so even in this kindness, you know, to from Julius towards right. Right, that's huge. You know, and this bringing two hundred seventy six men safely through a shipwreck, you know, is huge. Every grace we receive from God is, is a huge yeah. grace. It's just whether or not we view it as. Yeah, it's, and we do that in contra- you know contrast to common grace and redemptive grace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, the grace of you know bread uh, broken for nourishment is, is a fantastic yeah. gift you know from God's hand, uh, but the gift of bread of life that is even more nurturing, you know, is, is a you know a picture of God's extensive grace. And sometimes we get more caught up in the common graces than we do the extraordinary or redemptive yeah. grace of our Lord you know of our Lord Jesus Christ. Something you said earlier, just sticking with me, just how when we're in the middle of just, I mean, 
day in, day out suffering. Um, and you think about 14 days, it wasn't just 14 days, it was 14 days and nights too, because they don't just like get to go to sleep and take off that night. Like it is day and night, just constant. And when we're in the middle of a season like that, it is so, so difficult to feel, to see the grace of God. Um, and until we get a different perspective oh, yeah. and often like the perspective comes from like time in God's word time with the Lord where he he offers us a new perspective and it kind of helps us step back and take a different look um, and man that can help so much no. and so oftentimes so so often in my life um, I've pray, I've been in the middle of, of suffering or um, of trials and I have prayed for God to get me out of them. And instead of changing anything in my circumstances, he has changed my perspective and that's all that needed yeah, to change. How many times have we been there where we set an anchor and pray for daylight? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's you're just screaming out, you know, God, where you know, God, where are you? And uh, we do end up that of course that is part of being shaped by the word as we change our perspective. Uh, rather than seeing the storms around us, we begin to see God's providential hand in, in the storms around us. Never easy for, for humans who are prone to panic and prone to fear mm-hmm. and, and prone to weakness. Uh, but uh, as Paul would later write in one of his letters, in our weaknesses, he is, mm-hmm. he is made strong. Yeah. The f- fun passage. Uh, uh, not fun for the guys in it, fun for us reading it here in this cozy little room with nice nice brewed coffee in in our hands. Katie, could you close us in prayer? Absolutely. Oh, Father, um, we are so thankful to you um, for your hand, for your sovereign hand that guides us, that leads us. um, And we read in Psalm 23 that you lead us to um, by still waters, and um, green pastures, and we're so thankful for for those moments. Um, but we're also thankful that you're with us in the valley of death. And um, and so thank you for your presence with us. Thank you for the hope that we have. Um, not only future hope that we that we hope in the future and what's to come, but we also have hope in in the present because you are with us. Um, and so would you continue to give us. Um, your perspective, give us a better perspective. Um, and so that we wouldn't just fix our eyes on the waves around us. Um, but that we would fix our eyes on you and that we would, um, continue to trust you every day, day in, day out in the struggles, um, and praise you in them. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.